last week on the Nickel and Dime podcast. We talk about this every week now, like who's going to be the starting quarterback, and it's it's the same question and same answer every, every week. You've got Florida sitting there at 6-3. and three. Their best win was a team that I, I've said all year, an overrated, severely overrated LSU team. I think we saw them exposed against Alabama, which I predicted. I knew that we were the best team in the South. I knew it. I knew it going into this game, and I believed it with everything in my heart, and it just got ripped out of me. I want to make an announcement. My new team of choice is the Boilermakers. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Do you just I... see them all over Twitter? And... No, no. I just was thinking of goofy team names that I seem to have picked pretty well. Notre Dame has definitely looked strong this year, and I think they're a solid three in there. I think Michigan's definitely still got a lot to prove with a tough schedule coming up, and Ohio State definitely does as well. If the Titans do end up getting into the playoffs, I don't think many people would pick them to win. Maybe they get one upset like they did last year. Possibly. But I don't really think this is a team that you would imagine going past the wild card round. So if you are a Titans fan, I mean, what's your team trajectory here? Now here's your host, Tyler Eaton. That's me and this is the Nickel and Dime podcast every week, typically on a Thursday. We haven't had to switch it up yet, but we're sticking with that day. This is episode 11 now of the Nickel and Dime podcast. Harrison Valk here with me. Harry, we always start off the podcast by talking about WKU football, and it's tough because there's really never anything else for us to dig into because week, week after week, it's just the same result, a different opponent this week. The Hilltoppers headed down to Boca Raton, Florida. It'd be nice to be down there. Boca right Raton. You got to add like the Hispanic. Like, no, my bad. Mi- yeah, Mr. No. <laughs> Mr. Florida man over there. Mr. Florida native no, just, no, yeah, over just there. Sound, yeah, yeah. No, it just sounds cool. Like that. Wouldn't it be nice though? Like I wouldn't mind heading down to Florida, even if I had to lose by 19, which not not terrible. No, but no. I, I think still the spread loss, was though. right around there. And yeah, it is still a loss. Six straight of those. For WKU, it's almost like we've become numb to the losses. Like, we came in here and you were like, wait, who did they play? Like, Western played this week? It's like, yeah, they, they lost again. They lost, yeah. Continuing the, like, six-game losing streak yep, or something. all of them yeah. in conference play. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch, and it's honestly sad, kind of sad to talk about, too. Because you want, it's bit, you, as you said, it's the same thing over and over. Nothing's changing. Nothing's improving. It's just sticking to the same thing and I gotta I gotta be honest with you I'm kind of done too and I, kinda, I think most yeah, people are I think a lot of people are yeah I mean yeah. most people have seen the thing that came out Bowling Green Daily News yes. where if coach Samford loses out he's probably gone if he splits the two games maybe he stays if he wins these last two games he's a lot to stay and here was my first reaction to this and I think a lot of people felt the same way no dip yeah. Durr. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think we were waiting for that to come out. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think maybe this was just the confirmation that we needed of the situation going on, but I think most people knew that going in. Oh, yeah. That's pretty oh, yeah. much, you know, if you go 1-11, uh, I don't care what the circumstances are, you're gone. Yeah, you're gone. You can't keep a team going like that. So, looking at this game against Florida Atlantic in particular, another loss, as we talked about, for the Hilltoppers, Showed some signs on offense. Got the running game going a little bit. Joshua Samuel went over 100 yards. Couldn't find the end zone, though. The Hilltoppers, as a team, put 15 points on the board, only one touchdown, and it continues a problem that has really just been a constant for this team all season long. They cannot finish drives in the red zone. I don't know what it is. It could be a play-calling thing. You can look into that if you want to. There have been issues there. It could just be the guy that you have in there at quarterback. This week it was Steven Duncan. I still don't know why we don't have Davis Shanley out there. That's just me. 
But when you look at this team, if you convert three field goals, you turn those into touchdowns, that's 21 extra points on the board. So you sub out nine for 21. You lost by 19. That's a touchdown game, and you're there until the end. You have to finish drives, and it's tough to have a takeaway like that in a game where you lose by that much. Mm -hmm. But if they could just finish drives in the red zone, not just would this game be different. You look at all the close games they've had this season, the entire season would be different if they could just get the ball across the goal line. And they can't. No, they can't. No. And apparently we can't go we can't we don't have a time machine or anything where we could go back and you could tell Mike Sanford what like, you just hey, told bud, me. Listen, just put it in the end zone. Like I don't care. Stop kicking field goals. At this no, point, no, I would no, no, stop. No, no, no. Just you're one if, and nine. If, if it's fifty two yards away, don't do the field goal, just go for it. <laughs> That's true. Oh yeah, we're not gonna I don't no, wanna really no, no, no. that ODU game. That's a that's a sore spot for oh, me. That yes. one hurts. Oh, that one does. Yeah. That one stings I, all Western fans. And I think yeah. game after game, like I said, we're becoming numb to it almost. You know, it's just another loss. And there are things positively that you can take away. It seems like every game, either maybe the run game is there, maybe the passing game is there one game. We've seen the defense have some good games. But the issue is for this team, they can't get all three there I was at the same say, time. If, if we could just get all three of those to improve in one game, we may be able to go two and nine, possibly. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe finish the season three and nine. I don't know. No, I mean, there have been a lot of games this year. We talked about the close games. And I said, if you finish in the red zone, you win those games. Well, if you have another part of your team show up in those games, you win. You look at the Louisville game. If you get Maybe you get some more stuff done through the air. You win that game. The defense showed up. You look at the ODU game. Maybe if you get something going on the ground, you get the passing game going a little bit more. You win that game. If you can ground it out at the end and keep ODU off the field, you win that game. So there are so many moments for this team where it's if you just did this one more thing, you would win this game. Just one little thing. And yeah. it feels like this team is their one little thing away. But I don't know what that one little thing is. I don't know if it is a coaching change. If you go 1-11, then... They're going to try that, obviously. Mm -hmm. You're not keeping them around after that. I don't know if that one little thing, maybe it's Kavaris Thomas. I don't know. At this point, it's not worth putting him out there. But you can't just sit there at one little thing away. At some point, you have to show that you can find that. You have to show improvement, especially... If you're Mike Sanford, you gotta show something. You got you gotta like put yourself out there and just just commit. Just do just do it. Just just do it. do it. I mean, hey, just do it. We're a Nike school now. Yes. Just do it. Yes, I, just do it. There just have been a lot it. of situations for this team where it's just you know just do it. Just yes. go out there and do it. And I tell you who finally went out there and did it: the WKU Hilltoppers basketball team picking up their first win of the season. Oh, that was so. It much feels fun to watch. so good as a WKU fan to see one of our teams win. And you know who else won? Charles Bassey, Conference USA Freshman of the Week. Dude is doing exactly what we thought he would do. It's incredible to watch. He it is, feels good. He is unbelievable. And I love to see the chemistry between him, Jared Savage, Tavion Hollingsworth. Tavion Hollingsworth is someone that I've been like super impressed with this season, being able to lead the Hilltoppers with the, with the most points in the game. And just, just, just his chemistry that he has with the other players and just the vibe that he brings on on that team. It's just, it, it's awesome. It's that, great. That's it's the awesome. difference that I see between Bassey and a Mitchell Robinson. I don't think Mitchell Robinson would have had that kind of chemistry. No, 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 We no. know the kind of guy that Mitchell Robinson was. He, he was the guy that if you said anything about him on Twitter, he's lashing back and saying, hey, meet me out there one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Charles no. Bassey doesn't care. No, no, he's no. He's not no. listening to that. Charles Bassey is tuned in 
100% to what's going on with this team. We've seen the suspensions happen to other guys. You have not heard one word of him getting in any trouble at all. Nope. Now, nope. does that have to do with his status as one of the best players that WKU has ever had? But for him to keep his name out of all of that, you got to give him credit for that because you're the top dog on this team, and he has not been in any of that stuff at all. That's yeah, yeah. It's impressive. He's also he's also taller than me and you. And I he's, mean, he's, he's probably, like if he was in this room right now, his he would probably be up to like the light, the light, or like close to the ceiling. I don't know. I don't he's, know if he'd fit. In maybe the not that bunker. Yeah, maybe not. We'll maybe have, not. Maybe we can he'd get him in here. He'd, one day. he'd probably have to like duck his head, like just to like come in through the door or something. I don't know. But he's, I'm super excited to see what I'm going to see from him and I, the Myrtle Beach Invitational too. I think we'll see a lot of him there too. You think if we keep sweet talking him that he'll he, he might come in here for a nickel and dime episode? Maybe. You think, you think he'd be down for it? Maybe, maybe. Caden, you know, Caden told me he's got a class with him. So. Oh, we can. Okay. Yeah, We're going to yeah. have to get Caden on here yeah. a bit more often. Yeah, I think we are too. You yeah. know, he right now is the pinnacle of WKU basketball. And, you know, we are the pinnacle of sports podcasts. So maybe we can just put those two together, mix one and one, and just, you know, elevate each other a little bit. Because, you know, I, th- I think he needs us just as much as we need him. Yeah, I would love to get in on that interview too. Yeah, But not just him has been making this team roll. It's You talked about this, the team chemistry. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome, and it's something I don't think the football team has much. They just they don't seem to be playing together, and if they are, they don't seem to be playing together towards the right objective because every time you go out there on the field, on the court, your number one goal is to win. Yes. And I understand always. wanting to improve. You know, if you're the football team now, you're 1-9, you want to go out there, and you want to take positive strides every game. That's goal number two, I would yeah, say. Yeah, that's number two. Obviously, number one, though, Mm -hmm. you got to get it done. Yeah. And this Hilltopper basketball team and even the Lady Toppers team, we don't get to talk about them much just because they've had a tough start to their season. I mean, they're playing some of the best teams in the country just because this is a this is a Lady Toppers team that holds themselves to that standard. And even in defeat, the way that they play, they are going to be really good towards the end of the season. They are going to make some noise in Conference USA play. I tell you what, we got some good basketball squads. We did last year. We've been waiting on it. It's been building up. The yes. Lady Toppers have been there. It's always there to look forward to. And it's that's that's what I love to. about Western. Yeah. You know, if the football team is down, don't worry about it. We got something else going on. The golf team was going off, you know, for a period of time. It's just awesome to be a part of it. And I tell you what, there's another school up north that started to claim that they were a two-sport school. They said, hey, you know what? We're not just a basketball school. We're a football school. Harrison, you know what school I'm referencing right now? Ohio State? No, 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 no. Not Ohio State. I Michigan. No, 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 okay, no. I'm gonna no. Not, not that far I'm north. Gonna You're stop. going a little okay. bit too far north. I'm going to stop guessing. I'm the gonna... Kentucky Wildcats started to get in my ear about being a football school. <laughs> I thought you meant like literally like nor- no, 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 north, just, like up north. No, just, okay. up, just up I-65. <laughs> right up I-65. The Kentucky Wildcats started to claim that they were a two-sport school. And I tell you what. You don't get to claim that and then go to Tennessee and lose by double digits. We're going to have Casey in here to talk about that and the rest of college football right after this. Most top teams around the country, it was a pretty uneventful weekend of college football. The top 10 remained the same in the new college football playoff rankings. 
But KC, one team up there near the, near the top, last week's number 11 team, the Kentucky Wildcats. Their week was a lot more eventful than they thought it would be. I thought the game against UT might be a little stressful, might be one of those trap games coming off the big loss against Georgia, a big emotional letdown. But to lose the way they did, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I'll tell you what, Tyler. I, in some ways, I kind of did see it coming. Like I've said in previous weeks, the offense just hasn't been ready to play against anybody. I mean, you can't go out there, and they haven't put up more than 17 points on the board since the South Carolina game. That's crazy. And that was way back in mid-September. So, I mean, that's that's just inexcusable. And like I said, it's going to catch up to you eventually, and it finally did. And that was just an all-out bad performance from the Cats Saturday. I watched the whole game unfortunately and it just, just <laughs> was bad in all aspects of the game and seven points against a Tennessee team that was definitely beatable is not not good at all and I know you just turned 21 it was probably a good time to oh have yeah that. of course yeah it, that came in really handy yeah uh, not just not a good look out there at all for the Cats very disappointing but I mean they can still go nine and three so I'm looking at that so yeah, that's be, what people got to keep in mind. Like, the expectations are still being exceeded by this oh, team. Oh, yeah, of course. We can't just keep shifting them and then be disappointed when they don't meet what we're trying to get them to be. Right, Coming right. into the season, it was, you know, 8-4 and four would be great. That's and what then we it said, turns yeah. to, oh, 10-2, and two, yes. And then we shifted to, oh, 9-3, and three, you know. People have to keep in mind, this team constantly, week by week, just to be where they are now, is exceeding expectations but fans just keep swapping those expectations out, and they're being unrealistic, and they just right, have, right. To, have to keep an even mind with this team. They are better than we thought they would be. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they've definitely exceeded expectations. I still remember the first episode I was on talking about going into the Florida game, how we were talking about 8-4 and four would be a great yeah. season. We were talking about how the SEC Network guys, a couple of them had them at 8-4, and four, and yeah, I mean, that's 8-4 and four going into the season. I would have been thrilled with that. So, I mean, we got a very realistic chance for the Cats to go 8-4 and four with Middle Tennessee State and Louisville left on the schedule. I mean, that's those are two very winnable games. I mean, Tennessee at Tennessee, you know, there's a streak there. We can understand why maybe they might not have pulled that out. But, I mean, these last two games are gimmies, Tyler. Surely they're gimmies. I mean, they, they better put up two Ws on that board. They're, there's going to be some head scratching going on in that there, There's an argument to be made that the MTSU game will be easier than the Louisville game. Yeah, Louisville I, is I'd having a terrible year. Petrino's yeah. gone. I'm sure most... Oh, UK yeah. and Louisville fans are happy for that, although some Kentucky fans might be like, hey, just keep them around for a little bit right, longer, right. let them let bring the program <laughs> down a bit more. But Kentucky didn't fall that much in the rankings, at least not as much as I expected them to. Yeah, me too. Only fell to number 17. So technically, they're still in contention for one of those New Year's Six Bowls. I mean, yeah, that's the thing, Tyler. Technically, they are. Like I said, 9-3, and three, that's still a great season, a great season, and Coming off that, if you're nine and three in a bowl game and you win that bowl game, that's ten wins right there. Yeah. So theoretically, they can still get ten wins. I mean, everybody's just got to keep their heads held high, including all the players in that locker room. They need not throw in the towel. They can't give up. I mean, Coach Stoops has still done a pretty good job. They just got to get the offense going. It's just so hard to see that offense not move the ball. I mean, Terry Wilson just can't find his consistency. And even Benny Snell's not even looking too great now. So, I mean, the play calling's got to change up. They got to get innovative. Something's got to give, or they're going to they're gonna end up losing a questionable game in these last couple. And it, and it seems like the story every week with Terry Wilson is, oh, there were some bright spots there. Right, He's just right. about to turn the corner, but he never quite no. makes the turn around the corner. He never goes from game manager to guy that can win you games. And I, I don't know what's holding him back. I don't know if it's just natural talent, if he lacks that arm yeah. ability to be 
that guy for UK. But say Benny Snell does end up declaring for the draft. There are some talented backs behind him, but it's going to be on Terry Wilson to keep the momentum rolling in the next season. Yeah, most definitely it's on Terry Wilson. I mean, they just don't use their weapons at receiver and tight end enough. C.J. Conrad just He's a baller. I mean, he's a monster. He's definitely up there, top five NFL prospect tight end. I mean, he's a big guy. He runs runs pretty fast routes, and I mean, he just does not get used. He doesn't even have 20 catches on the year. He has one touchdown and I think maybe less than 200 yards receiving, which there's there's just no reason for that when you've got such a talent. He's a four-star guy coming out of high school. They don't use him. Dorian Baker was a four-star guy. He was suspended for the Tennessee game. He's been a waste of a recruit. I mean, they just don't use their athletes in the receiving end, and it's really sad. I mean, you have a two-star guy like Benny Snow who's overachieving because they run so much. But, I mean, when you got talent that is potential, even NFL talent, you know, four-star guys, they know they got that size. You know they got the skill to make to the yeah. next level. Why not use them? I mean, I don't blame Terry Wilson for a little bit because it's his first full year as a FBS starter. Right. And, I mean, he's only a sophomore technically, but – I mean, still, like you said, he's just got to come around. He's taking two steps or one step forward, two steps backward, it seems like, every week now. And I I don't know. They better get it together these last couple games or it's not going to be too pretty down the stretch. I mean, they do have an incentive there to win out. It's not one of those situations where all is lost. They can get a shot at one of those New Year's Six Bowls. And if you get there, or maybe you don't, maybe you end up 9-3, and don't get one of those. But like you said, if you get 10 wins this season, the trajectory that this team is on, you keep rolling because a lot of people thought last year would be like be like this year. And right. it's kind of a team that was a year behind schedule. And then you would go into next season. A lot of momentum. This is going to be an SEC East. We know how good Georgia is. Florida's on the come up. Tennessee's right. going to be on the come up. Missouri seems to be pretty solid every year. I think Vanderbilt's going to be on the come up pretty soon. Kentucky is going to have to keep it rolling or they they're going fi- to find themselves behind again. They're right. going to be where they are when Mark Stoops got here. So if they're gonna if they're gonna stay as contenders in the SEC East, I think it's gonna be important for them to end this season with double digit wins. Most definitely, yeah. They gotta finish the season strong and not only just go nine and three, but they gotta get that tenth win and get a bowl win. Yeah. Stoops has yet to get a bowl win under his tenure, and he he just really needs to get one of those. And like you said, yeah, I mean you can't you can't muddle around, you know, those bottom half of the SEC teams. You gotta keep going up. And I feel like with a ten win season, the Cats will definitely stay in contention. Uh, Stoops would definitely be looking up in his trajectory. Uh, so, I mean, like you said, man, yeah, it's crucial that Kentucky goes out strong these last couple games with some big wins. And one thing i got to ask you, and I thought about this on the way here, we saw oh the Kentucky basketball team in that Duke game, big letdown. They're down to, I think, number 10 yeah, that's in the right. AP rankings for college basketball. When you look at that college basketball program, of course you've got John Calipari, but since he got here, only one national championship for them. You see the trajectory. We talk about this with the football team. They are trending straight upwards. Which which kind of trend do you like better right now? How the Kentucky basketball team is trending? They seem to be kind of stuck in a rut, but they're stuck in a rut near the top. Or the Kentucky football team, who they're not quite there yet, but they seem to be making a run for it. Well, Tyler, like I tell everybody, I've always been such a big Kentucky football fan, which is shocking to hear by most. <laughs> but... uh here for about the last 10, 15 years, ever since I've really gotten into Kentucky football, it's always been number one in my book, even over basketball. It's phenomenal to have a great basketball team, but I've I've just always been more of a football fan myself, and it's, it's real impressive to see how you can drag a football team like Kentucky from the depths of the SEC, back-to-back 2-10 seasons, to now in the discussion for 10 wins. That's just a beautiful thing to see in the SEC with 
such a conference led by elite teams like yeah. Georgia and Alabama and Florida and LSU year in and year out. So the fact that we're even discussing that right now is just phenomenal to me. I mean, I never thought he would take them to nine wins, ten wins we're discussing now. I really didn't think so. I thought he could get them back to respectability, seven and five, maybe eight and four here and there. But the fact that they're already on track for that and Stoops has got the ball rolling, I'm really happy to see that. Nothing against a basketball team. I'll watch every game when it comes crucial time. But just always been more of a football guy here, and I think Stoops has done a phenomenal job. I mean, it's been really similar, not completely similar, because these are two complete coaches. You'll get you're going to kind of question me when I get to this comparison. But when Nick Saban took over yeah. Alabama, they had really fallen down that's, the ranks. That's true in the SEC, and of course, he's brought them up to the top of the mountain in college football. Not quite where Kentucky is, right. but when you look at what he did there, people were like, oh, "Okay, they're gonna they're gonna contend for some national championships." But he wins it every single year. Oh, Mark yeah. Stoops, obviously different expectations, but defying those. I'm talking about Alabama, of course, still the consensus number one team oh, in yeah. college football. But I think Clemson is getting a little closer week yeah. by week. They keep dominating teams. Those are the top two teams right now. Notre Dame, they're undefeated as well at three and Michigan at four. But I think that's got a lot of room to change. There are a lot of teams oh, yeah, out there definitely. on the fringe. If Georgia beats Bama, they're in. I think if Michigan wins out, I think they'll keep their spot. If Ohio State wins out, do they take that spot? When you look at look at look at those rankings, you got Alabama. Obviously, we think they're going to be in, even if they lose to Georgia. You got Clemson; they're probably going to be in. Who do you think ends up filling out those other two spots? Whether it be Notre Dame winning out or an Ohio State and Oklahoma, a West Virginia, right. they could play each other twice. Who do you think ultimately might have a leg up on those last two spots? Well, I think Notre Dame's definitely trending in the right direction. If I'm not mistaken, I think their toughest game left on their schedule is maybe Virginia Tech, I think, or Syracuse. Syracuse yeah, by the rankings. By the rankings, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's not too bad for them, and I think they've definitely looked really strong to be in that discussion for till the end from my, my perspective. But I really think when it comes down to it, you know, just another SEC team, Georgia, I think that one loss they had was really good for them. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to play their way back to that. And I think as long as they play Alabama nice and close and they have a little bit of help. See, the thing that's going to factor in on them, though, is Michigan and Ohio State, how they mm -hmm. do. Because I feel like if one of them wins out, they'll be in over Georgia. But I feel like Georgia's going to get it together. And I think they might even be able to give Alabama a game in that SEC championship. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame and Georgia right now. But uh, Oklahoma is definitely still there, and Michigan, Ohio State, they're all right there. So it's it's all pretty close. I think the biggest problem for that Michigan, Ohio State dilemma, I think if, if Michigan wins out, I think they're in. But Ohio right. State, it's a little more iffy because they're still down there at ten. They beat Michigan State, did not move a spot. Now Michigan State did not play their best game, no. but that's a that's a win on the road against what was a top twenty team. They don't move up a spot, so they're there, they're there at ten. They beat Michigan. That's going to be a big win. It'll move them up a few spots. But right now, they're set to face Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. Northwestern now in the rankings at 22. But another team that people haven't really been talking about, and I'm interested to hear your take on this team, Washington State. Really not a lot of buzz. Really quiet sitting there at number eight. And I'm not really sure if anybody is really taking them seriously as a contender to make it into the playoff. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule here. They got two games left. They got Arizona at home. So you would think that's a pretty winnable game. That's and a then win. On Thanksgiving week, next week, they play at home against number 18, Washington. That's a so big that's, game. That's another big winnable game right there at home. So, I mean, things are trending in the right direction for them. And depending on what happens in the Pac-12 championship, I think they actually got a pretty good shot to be in it. If they, you know, if the Big Ten teams fold a little bit and they need one of those SEC teams to fold, 
then uh, they would move up into that top six, I believe. But Washington State's one of those pretty good Cinderella teams nobody watches because they always play so gosh dang late every right. weekend. I mean, it seems like they play 10, 30, 11 every Saturday. I'm uh, already, West Coast stuff, Yeah, man. I'm already doing other things, let's just say, by then. <laughs> so, But, uh, yeah, I like Washington State. They're one of those underdog teams you wouldn't expect to be up there. So I'm all for them. Uh, it's just seeming pretty hard right now for them to rise. And one team there in the top ten that nobody's really talking about is a serious contender as well. Because they have two losses, the LSU Tigers. Casey, your buddy Coach O is here, and he's going to come talk about LSU and maybe a bit more to do with the SEC in college football. So we're going to bring him in, hit the intro. I control the whole bayou. He is Harry's Heisman hopefuls. He is the number one candidate. He should be the only Heisman candidate for the rest of the year. Give him the trophy now, Tyler. That two attack of back, back, tag of whatever his name is. He's not even in the conversation. Nick Brousset has got it sewn up, Tyler. You better believe it. All five of your Harry's, Harry's Heisman hopefuls are going to be Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, and guess who? Nick Brousset. LSU is going to win every game I say they're going to win this year. I control the whole Bayou, and I control the whole South. I control Alabama next week because we got that victory already mapped out. I am the greatest podcast person in the world, and I make my way onto every podcast that discusses the LSU Tigers. From the heart of Cajun country and the soul of America, it's the man in charge from the Atlantic to the Mississippi. Fresh off a hot bowl of jambalaya, here's the head coach of the Bayou, Ed Orgeron. Oh, yeah, Tyler. How about that victory on Saturday? What? Are you bragging about beating Arkansas by a touchdown? Oh, I sure am. We are in the toughest conference in the nation. And, I mean, come on. Come on now. Any win in that conference is a great win, especially on the road. I mean, a whole seven points. I think that's a solid, solid victory for my Tigers there. Did you just say a whole seven points on the road? Oh, yeah. Against Arkansas. Arkansas, the worst team in the conference. You know what, Tyler? Let me tell you something. Well, I've been trying. I've been working on my stress techniques, trying to lay off the jambalaya. Really, not trying to put too many pounds on. I know it's getting cold, but however, I'm just I'm trying to be a good guy, trying to keep my emotions in store. And you know, it's it just Thanksgiving's coming around, and I'm very thankful for another SEC victory because they're just hard to come by, and we're still in the top ten of the CFP rankings. So For some reason. I, I mean, look, Tyler, look. All we got to do is win out. All we got to do is win out. We got some rinky-dink team. I don't even know what their name is this week. I'm not worried about it. We're going to get the dub. Don't worry. But in two weeks... We're going to go out and we're going to smack those Aggies. You can count on that. Don't worry about it. You won by seven on the road at Arkansas, and you say you're going to go smack the Aggies at A&M. That's true. Yeah, I don't even know where they play. I hear it's someplace that has 12 men on the field or something, but but they're, they're not going to come through. They're not going to bother us, trust me. I got my I got my crew rounded up. Nick Brousset last week, he had a whole 900 yards rushing with another touchdown to add to it. I mean, isn't he just amazing? Uh, he's. I mean, he's pretty good. He did not run for 900 yards, though. He ran for uh, 90. He did get the touchdown, I, so you know, I good think job on that one, Coach. I think you might have you might have left a zero uh, off you there. You know what? But, but it's okay. You he's, might need a new statistician. He's easily, he's easily back in the Heisman conversation. I, I didn't say. think he ever left. Right, right. That's right. I mean, that Tua guy, he's been pretty well, but he got hurt this past weekend, so he gets a, a negative 100% for that. He, uh, 
That Coach, just matters. Coach, I, got, I do got to say, um, I'm looking at Arkansas's schedule. They played North Texas at home earlier this year. North Texas. Okay. And North Texas beat them by 27. Really? Okay. At Arkansas. Okay. Well, that that's interesting. You know what? <laughs> I would give them credit if they're in the SEC, but they're not in the SEC, Tyler, so they are irrelevant. And any team with the name Mean Green – I mean that's just that's just not a good name, you know. Why not something better like a tiger? So something so elegant and beautiful that represents the value with such strength. I mean, mean green, that's not any count, Tyler. Come now, on now. Now wait a second. Is there one tiger that actually lives in Louisiana besides the mascot? Oh yeah, there's a whole there's a whole squad of them at the zoo. Just just go see them anytime. There's at the, that does not count. At the zoo any place can have a tiger at the zoo. Nashville well, you know, has a tiger you know at the what? zoo. I, I think what I'm going to do this Saturday, just for you, is our, our home game this Saturday. Excuse me. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get one of those tigers from the zoo. I'm going to bring it to the game. To the game. I'm going to even spray paint it yellow and purple just, just for the crowd. They'll love it. They'll love it. And then I'm just going to let it out of its cage and let it run around. Now, I'm, I'm not sure how the players will feel about that. I mean – there are human beings out there on the field. Well, let me well, let me tell you something. You, you know that song called Eye of the Tiger, right? I do. That's... They're supposed to have the Eye of the Tiger. So, I mean, they should just enjoy that tiger running around out on the field. Hey, it's the mascot, school pride. It is it is a great animal. I mean, it just shows awareness for the whole ecosystem and everything. It's a win-win for everybody, Tyler. So, a win-win. Wait a second. What you're telling me is that in the middle of your game against Rice, you're going to let a tiger out on the field. That's right, yeah. I figure it'll be a pretty boring game because Rice isn't exactly the most formidable opponent. But, you know, I, what, what's nothing like a little good old-fashioned entertainment on Saturday, right? I mean, that might be the only way to get people to tune into that game. Your Tigers favored by 42 in that one. Oh, I know. They should be. Coach, they do, should you, be. do you think you guys go over or under on that? I'm a big betting guy. Should I bet on the Tigers in this one? Oh, well, let me tell you, even if they're up by three at halftime, when they see that Tiger out on the field, it's going to bring a whole new wave over them, buddy. I mean, they're just going to come out there, and they're going to play like they never have before. They might put up triple digits. Let, let me tell you that. Really? Triple digits. Yeah, I think maybe 100, even maybe 101. Well, Coach, if they do that, let me tell you this right now. If the Tigers score triple digits, 100 points, we will give you personally 100 bowls of jambalaya that's very flattering tyler I'm, I'm really trying to cut down but that's what freezers are for i could just pack them up put them in the freezer there and have them for all winter sit by a nice fire and just warm up because you know what's going to happen you know what tigers are going out 10 and 2 and we're going to sneak in the college football playoff somehow we're at seven right now some uh some you know some weird stuff's going to happen in the top five and i think we're just gonna we're gonna slide right in there and we're gonna have a good finish to the season what do you think for some reason i feel like you you have some kind of power to make that happen that sounds more like not like a prediction but it sounds like you stating what's going to happen coach are are you leading something on there a little bit yeah i mean it's just what i've said the last two weeks or however many weeks i've been on here i control the whole bayou and that that conquers everything. Need not I remind you again because we're just going to go out there and we're going to destroy everything in our path the last few weeks. And whether that means we're in the, the jambalaya bowl or the sun bowl or the peach bowl or the banana bowl, I don't care what bowl we're in, we're getting that 11th win after the season's over. You can count on it. All right, well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate you coming on. Head on back down to the bayou and get ready for rice and go grab that tiger. You best bet I will.
past few weeks, it has felt like a foregone conclusion that Tua Tagovailoa is going to bring home the Heisman Trophy. He's bringing another one to Tuscaloosa. But last week, it got a little shaky. It got a little shaky. He's had some injury problems. Coming into last week, Tua, according to Odd Shark, was a minus 1,000 favorite. I don't know if you understand how these odds work, Harrison, but you would have to bet $1,000 to win 100. <laughs> Those odds now, going into this week's game for Alabama against the Citadel, which Tua is likely to sit at. He's likely not to play. His odds are down to minus 450, but he's still a sizable favorite. Right now, in second in the odds, Kyler Murray comes in there at plus 500, and Will Greer is at plus 700. So Tua is still the clear favorite. But how do you feel about Tua's lead in the Heisman race right now? If you ask me right now, if I had to pick who was going to win today, I think it's Tua. I right. think it's Tua. I think he's, he's still the favorite, obviously. Yes, yes. But that gap is slowly shrinking. So give us some of the guys that are right there. I got you. I got three guys. Three. Who do you think number three is? Well, I'm going to go by the odds here because I'm an odds man. So I'm going to take your guy, Will Greer. You are correct, sir. Nailed it. You are correct. I'm good at games. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes. Against TCU, which they won. I believe they won. Yeah, absolutely. Th yep. Of course, it's TCU. <laughs> uh, 343 yards and three passing touchdowns. For the season, for the season, he had 2,961 yards and 31 touchdowns. I, I, you've heard me say enough about him. He, he, he was my favorite at one point. Right. He's, still, he's still really good, and he's definitely in my top three favorites to win if Tua I doesn't mean, if, win. I mean, if Tua were on any team but Alabama, I think Will Greer would be the favorite to win the trophy. That is Just yeah. because you look at his numbers, and he had the moment against Texas. Mm -hmm. So... He's got that going for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they play Oklahoma State this week, who, or this week, who, as you know, as you saw the game, put up quite a fight against Oklahoma yeah. this past week. Well, that, that Oklahoma a, defense is terrible. Yeah. It's that awful. Is that is true. That is true. Yeah. I was worried there for a minute. All right. Now, number two, who do you think it is? Based on my odds again, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. You are correct, sir. You are correct. And as we, uh, as we literally just talked about, I didn't see. I didn't watch the game, but I kept up with it on ESPN. I, I, I was a little. I was a little worried there for yeah. a minute for our buddy yeah. Kyler Murray there. Well, I mean, I guess it helps him out because that defense is so bad that they get scored on just like that. So he's right back out there on the field putting up some more numbers. Yeah, you know, like that, like that. Yes, yes. Three hundred and forty-nine yards, uh, one touchdown, and three thousand and 38 passing yards and 32 touchdowns for the season. And listen to this: he is on his way to shatter Baker Mayfield's FBS passing efficiency record from last year. If he can keep up and do what he's doing for these next two games of the season, he is for sure to break that record. And he could possibly be the, uh, another Oklahoma Sooner to win the Heisman. He's another one of those guys whose numbers jump out at you. Yes. Over to us. Yes. Tua's numbers aren't the most impressive thing about him. It's one of those best player, best team things he's got going for him. And I think people watch him and they see he's probably the most talented out of those three. And they also realize, okay, let's take his numbers with a grain of salt. He has sat out almost every single fourth quarter this year. He has played in two fourth quarters. Maybe in a little bit of the That's third it. quarter too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So two is obviously still the favorite, but those guys behind him, dude, they are some ballers. So I, I know you want to give us two of stats as well, just as a friendly reminder why he is in first place. Yes. Yes. Number one. Spoiler alert if you didn't know. Uh, against Mississippi State, he had 164 yards and one touchdown. That's lower than what the other guys had, but yes. they still they still were able to win in the end. And, and he was also injured in that game. That too. That too. That too. Now for the season, he has had 2,525 yards 
and 28 touchdowns. And as we just mentioned, they play Citadel next, which is going to be a very, very easy win. Unless, I mean, if he plays, yeah. which Nick Saban went on record saying this about it. No, why would we do that? I mean, say this was not an important game or he doesn't need to play or... I mean, I think we need to do a better job of the people playing around him, doing what they're supposed to do so he doesn't get hit. Uh, and he needs to do a better job of stepping up in the pocket and getting rid of the ball, you know, not trying to take a guy out of the game so he can't improve or do what he needs to do to get better. Or we, we need to do what we need to do to get better as a team and develop some confidence in each other. So obviously, if it's up to Nick Saban, all things considered, if there's no injury for Tua, he is going to play against the Citadel. And if he does... There are some numbers to be had in that game. And it's just going to be another chance to get another win for Alabama and keep rolling on as the favorite for the Heisman Trophy. And I'll tell you who is our favorite guy to talk about the Heisman Trophy. Harrison Falk. Harrison, thank you so much for another week of Harry's Heisman Hopeful. Two weeks ago, Natalie had her worst week yet on natural selection. One in four when we gave her the ultimate test of picking the biggest games. Last week, she had a shot at redemption. And Natalie, do you want to tell the people what your record was last week? <laughs> Three and a half over two. Three and a half and two. Oh, she got, she got a bonus <laughs> half a point because she picked Arkansas State to just annihilate Coastal Carolina, and they did. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. Coastal Carolina. I know you're, yeah, you're delighted no, about that No one. longer friends with Chanticleers, now friends with, what was the other team? The Arkansas State Red Wolves. That's right. I they, thought your new favorite team was Purdue, the Boilermakers. Yeah, I don't know. They haven't been making as many boilers lately. Oh. Are you sure about that? Are you like in the know on they, how well, many? Well, their shipment was lacking oh, this, okay. this past week. <laughs> Okay, well, this week, I, I really like this theme of making you pick the real top-notch games. So I think we're going to continue with that. Are you okay with that? I mean, it's your show, Tyler, so... That's true, and that's why we are, we are, we're going we're gonna to go through with it, okay? All right, so, all right. Let me reposition I mean, you, my body you look pretty confident. psychic vibes. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> are you ready? Are you getting the maximum psychic vibes? Yeah, I am. I'm glad you are. Okay, first game, a couple of weird mascots, one that you're familiar with, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and <laughs> right. the Syracuse Orange. That is the color orange. Wait. <laughs> okay. So or the you fruit. know you know what I have to be picturing right now is a bunch of like leprechauns versus like a single you know like games <laughs> in the giant yeah. peach, but in orange. And it's maybe it's floating, maybe there's ominous music in the background. And honestly, that's just creepy enough for me to <laughs> actually say that orange is going to win. So you're you're taking the orange, the singular orange. Yeah, I, I actually really like that name. Um it's better than some that we've had for sure. Yeah, like there are names that I hate a lot, but that is not one of them. So you're taking the orange over the fighting Irish. Yeah, every time you say orange, I kind of <laughs> feel like you're about to say something else. You know, like Yeah, the like there should be something after that. <laughs> but I'm I'm content with there not being anything. Okay, the next game. We've got another returner from last week. The Oklahoma State Cowboys, who you picked to win. They ended up losing only by one. So I'll give you that much. Dang. They're taking on another team that you've picked before. The West Virginia Mountaineers. So, Cowboys mm. versus Mountaineers. See, I have. I feel like Cowboys and Mountaineers actually have a lot in common. They do. They're, they're both outdoorsmen. They know how to work in their element. They they they're very skilled. 
they know what they're doing. Unfortunately, I think the Mountaineers, what, where's the game? Oh, okay. This might be the farthest that we've gone into this. It is <laughs> at Oklahoma State. So it's okay, on the panhandle. So, so if it were not in, you know, the the Great Plains or what have you, I would say that the Mountaineers would probably be able, they would get an immediate terrain bonus. Right. I don't necessarily feel like Cowboys have a de facto advantage over Mountaineers, but I would say that the Mountaineers are going to have a harder time pulling out. I mean, this is home turf. You you probably got ranches. Who knows? Maybe they got some dang old booby traps down there in that field. <laughs> you know, there is a an actual home field advantage, so... I mean, I know that's a thing, but I'm talking about <laughs> if a Mountaineer were right. to face off a cowboy in the mountains, I mean, obvi- obviously, no obvi- I mean, mountain is in their name. Of course. So you're taking the cowboys because no mountains. I still feel like the Mountaineers have like that gruff element of just, you know, unpredictability. You know, like a cowboy is pretty much going to play by his own rules, but you know what those rules are. A Mountaineer, That's true. He, the only rule he plays by is the rule of nature. So I'm rooting for him. So you're, are you rooting for him or are you picking him? I'm going to pick him. Okay. Go, go Mountaineers, eh? Okay, so the Mountaineers you've got in that one too. You've got the Orange and the Mountaineers, not the expected pick. <laughs> But she's really going for it this week. Next game, the Iowa State Cyclones. The Cyclones versus the Texas Longhorns. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to say another team. <laughs> like, it's just is this like the man Cyclones. Versus... <laughs> no, it's just you versus the Cyclones. Oh, okay. Well, I think I would win. But if we're talking about the Cyclones versus... <laughs> the Longhorns. The Longhorns. I think the Longhorns are probably going to win. Really? Yeah, but... Are they too heavy to be swept up by the cyclone, or no. what's the logic on well, this where, one? Where are they from? Which one? The te- Texas. They well, they are from Texas. Yes, yeah. That's the Texas why. is from Texas. I just feel like a Texan is not going to be like, I'm gonna get out of the way of this thing all cyclone. But it's not the Texan. It is a Longhorn. It is the cattle itself. Yeah, but I feel like the toughest Longhorns are gonna be from <laughs> Texas. Okay. And you know what is it? Sandy <laughs> Cheek says. Something about Texas. That's how they feel about cyclones. So I think they're, yeah. Okay. So you are taking Texas and the Longhorns to overcome the cyclones. <laughs> wow. Okay. So this next one the Cincinnati Bearcats versus the UCF, which is Central Florida Golden Knights. You can call them the Knights. Their mascot's actually a black knight. So you could say whatever. But ultimately, he is. A knight that they call the Golden Knight, but he's got more black on him than gold. It's kind of weird. Okay, so clearly they're at a disadvantage because they are at least colorblind. That's true, yes. So I would say, in in this sense, a knight is going to be mostly used to fighting other knights mm-hmm. or soldiers, like foot soldiers, people with weapons. A bear cat, though? Mm. That's different. See, I mean, depending on how much armor they're wearing and how light that armor is... Ugh. It might be easy to fend off because their teeth probably aren't strong enough to bite through iron and all that, but at the same time, it's usually just one night, and he's like, I will defend my lady, and, you know. You sound conflicted on this one. Yeah, see, I thought I was going to go full Bearcats. (laughs) And then you thought about it, and you're like, like, well, you know, this guy is in an entire suit of armor. If if I had my sword, I feel like it would be very easy to defend myself against a couple, (laughs) like, wild beasts, you know, like. And these are trained knights. Yeah, they're trained knights. Technically golden knights, which you said is the ultimate color. 
What are you going with here? Wait, why would I say gold is the ultimate? I you gotta said fight that my before. past self. I'm yeah, you, gotta, you said that was <laughs> let's, like let's peak call, color. Let's pick that match next. <laughs> um, um, I don't know, though. I just have a feeling like the Bearcats are going to win. Okay, so you're taking the Bearcats. Yeah, it's based purely on feeling, though. I feel like in real life, the Knights could probably defend themselves. All right, last game. And usually the last game goes to what every week becomes the new matchup of the year involving Coastal Carolina. Oh, yeah. But that has been put away. The Red Wolves Thank have goodness. dispelled the Chanticleers, and we have your new team, <laughs> the Purdue Boilermakers. Yay! They are taking on the Wisconsin Badgers. Huh. Who are you taking in that one? Those Badgers are getting boiled, my friend. <laughs> gonna... That's a good one. Yeah. That should be on a sign. I don't think it should. That sounds. You nasty. don't think so? I I think that's like that's good. That'll be on a sign. I promise Boilermakers you. Boilermakers all the way. The score is gonna be twenty-one to thirteen. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> so know. now you're giving out score predictions. I I don't know. You know what if it happened though? Wouldn't that, that be would cool? be awesome? <laughs> Everyone's nodding in their studio. All right. Audience. So the Boilermakers. <laughs> Not only are they going to win, they're going to win 21 to 13. Natalie I, I really going out on a limb this week. Points in football. You can have any number of points in football. Well, how come that like never happens? Well, it's not a common one. It would how take a touchdown and two field goals. They're going to do so it. So it could happen. It could definitely happen. All right. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us once again for Natural Selection. Thank you for tolerating my presence. Can I understand? Yes, I am. So every day I spend my time drinking wine, feeling fine, waiting here to find the sign that I should take it slow. So this past Sunday, I went down to Nashville to the Titans game. They were facing the Patriots, big game, and I was expecting a big game from Tom Brady. I was expecting a big win from New England, and that is not quite what I got here to discuss that with me and the rest of the NFL, Junie Riddle, a first-time guest here on the Nickel and Dime podcast, making his radio debut. Last week, we had the next Stephen A. Smith. I think we've got the next Colin Cowherd here with us this week. So, Junie, what did you see from that game? And I'll tell you what I saw straight up. I saw a, a Patriots team that got outcoached somehow by Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Well, absolutely. Um, well, again, thank you for having me, and it's an honor to be here for my first absolutely. time on, on a radio podcast. Uh, well, what happened to the New England Patriots is is Marcus Mariota. He has been absolutely going off the past two weeks. Uh, this Sunday, he went 16 for 24 for 228 yards and two TDs. His first five games this season, uh, four out of those five games, he only he didn't even throw for 150 yards and only two touchdowns. The last two games, he's thrown for over 225 yards and has had five touchdowns. It's a, it's impeccable what he's doing right now. And these have been two games the Titans needed to win. That Monday night game against Dallas was a game that if they were going to get their season back on track and compete in this AFC South that is wide open right now, they had to win that game. And then this is a game against the Patriots. When you look at the rest of their schedule, five out of the seven teams that they play have losing records. This is a game that they needed to get some momentum going into the rest of the season. And they won it a lot because, like you said, Marcus Mariota showed up. But that running game, it seems like they've really found the right balance between Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis now. Oh, absolutely. And on top of that, like their their defense has played oh, was great. amazing all year. Um, I think they're in fifth in total in total defense, and they're fifth against the run and sixth against the pass this season. So that defense is uh, keeping them afloat. And with Marcus Mariota playing how he is in the running game, they're going to be a tough team to beat down the stretch. And one thing I saw from Tennessee in that game in particular that I really haven't seen from them much, it's been a problem for them in the past, the pass rush was 
excellent. They only sacked Brady three times, which is still a good amount against New England, considering how many how many times he gets it out of his hand quick. But Brady was 21 for 41. That is not a Brady performance, especially against the Titans. New England as a team only ran for 40 yards. And in that AFC South, when you've got offenses like the Texans, like the Colts, Jacksonville, I don't know what the heck they've got going on with them. Blake Bortles is Blake Bortles. But the defense is really is what's going to have to carry them to a division title or at least give them a shot at a wild card spot. And especially when you look at the Houston Texans right now, uh, their one weakness is really their offensive line. So if that Titans defense can get uh, start getting at Deshaun Watson, uh, that's definitely something that can really uh, help them down the stretch to catch up to the Texans uh, in the following weeks. And when you look at the AFC playoff picture, of course, I think right now me and Casey have discussed this in the past. We both think the Texans are the favorites in that division. They only have a one-game lead over Tennessee right now, so that's something to watch. But when you look at the AFC as a whole, there really aren't that many wild-card contenders. You look at a team like Tennessee, maybe Cincinnati's there. The Dolphins are 5-5, five and five, but I don't think people have much faith in them. Maybe the Ravens make a run. But if the Titans can just string together maybe four or five more wins for the rest of the season... I think they'll have a really good shot at one of those playoff spots. Yeah, I definitely think that the wild card spots are going to come from the uh, the AFC West and then the AFC South. Uh, definitely, those are probably the two most competitive divisions. Yeah, I wasn't even going to mention the Chargers. I mean, they're like a lock, so yeah. it's kind of just who so, besides them. Yeah, the Chiefs and the Chargers are definitely a lock in the AFC West. I just think that uh, whoever you know comes out as the second uh, best team in the AFC South is definitely going to be the wild card because I do not trust the Miami Dolphins and I definitely do <laughs> not trust the trust Cincinnati them. Bengals trust either uh, with, with Marvin Lewis in, in town in Cincinnati there. And bringing back Hugh Jackson. Wow. I mean, the Browns fire him and the Bengals are like, well, we'll bring you on back. You couldn't do anything in Cleveland. So let's just let's just bring back a guy that was part of our cycle of mediocrity and see if it'll continue. But Looking at that AFC North, boy, your Pittsburgh Steelers, they have kicked it up to another level now, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. Ben Roethlisberger had a career game um, this past Thursday, 22 for 25, 328 yards, five touchdowns to five different receivers, zero interceptions, and just absolutely clobbered the Panthers 52 to 21. It was awesome to watch. And I know it was announced today that Le'Veon Bell is officially out for the rest of the season. So we've had multiple people on here talk about the impact that that'll have on the team, whether he comes back, whether he doesn't. Now it's official. He's not being traded. He's not going to come back. He's out for the rest of the year. And it's the James Conner show now in Pittsburgh. So how do you feel as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? How comfortable are you with that moving forward for the rest of the season and potentially into the playoffs? See, personally, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers have absolutely the best offensive line in the NFL right now. That unit's been together for the past five years, and they have absolutely been killing it this season. James Conner currently has uh, more yards from scrimmage and let's see, six more touchdowns than Le'Veon Bell at this point in the season. Uh, he's actually, he's absolutely been killing it. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh native, Went played uh, college there yeah. at the University of Pittsburgh, beat cancer, blue-collared guy, perfect running back for the city of Pittsburgh, and I absolutely love it. I mean, he's one of those guys that I think, as a Pittsburgh fan, you are super excited to see succeed. I think a lot of Pittsburgh fans were excited just when they drafted him, just to see him be there, but he's one of those guys that I think, not just Steelers fans, but I think everybody just wants to see him succeed. There's the great story, did beat cancer, was excellent in college. Like People forget, not only did he go to Pittsburgh, but he was one of the best running backs in the country, and I think a lot of people saw this coming if he ever got his shot, and now he's gotten, and this Steelers offense with him in there, I'm not going to say it's better than they were with Le'Veon, but they really haven't missed a beat at all. 
Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, him being not as a prominent name as somebody as Juju Smith-Schuster or Antonio Brown, that it kind of like lets him do his thing and then the offense kind of flows a little more instead of like giving Le'Veon all of his looks. Uh, because when you look at the when you look at the stats here, not only does he have more yards from scrimmage, but he doesn't have as many carries. Right. Um, I think he has around the same amount of receptions, so he's not getting as many looks as Le'Veon. So it's really kind of just letting the offense flow naturally. And I think that he's he's uh he's okay with like the role that he has, and I think that he's definitely like playing to the max potential that he has right now, and I'm loving it. And not only has the offense really kicked into the gear, but this defense for, for Pittsburgh, it's just looked completely different than it did at the beginning of the season. We saw the Carolina Panthers come to town on Thursday night football. We thought that was going to be a really competitive game, probably a high-scoring game both sides, but Pittsburgh shut that Cam Newton offense down. And it wasn't like they came in reeling or anything. That was a hot Panthers team that people were starting to look at as a legitimate contender. But that Steelers defense is really rounding into form as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and what the funny part about it was is I was really scared because they kept running <laughs> that that read option, that zone read. And yeah. Christian McCaffrey was just driving it down the field on the first on the first series there. And I was really worried. But then after that, uh, first play from scrimmage uh, for the Steelers offense straight to Juju Smith-Schuster, took it to the house. And then the very next play that Cam Newton got the ball, that pick six uh, that Williams took back was absolutely awesome. And then it was just all downhill for there for Pittsburgh. And that's what we've seen from past Pittsburgh Steelers teams. When they're at their best is when the defense can make game-changing plays and not lose them games. If the If the defense doesn't lose them games, the offense will win it for them. So when you look at the Steelers team right now, We saw the Patriots just lose to Tennessee. Obviously, they have holes on defense that can be exposed. We've seen on offense now when they don't have a healthy Gronk, which they were without Gronkowski. Edelman got hurt in that game as well. They can be exposed. We know this Chiefs defense has a ton of holes in it. Those two teams, the Patriots and the Chiefs, I think coming into last week were definitely the favorites in the AFC. So where do you think Pittsburgh stands in that conference, especially after that performance against Carolina? Being completely honest, I would still put Pittsburgh behind Kansas City and New England. Uh, Those are two more consistent uh, franchises Mm -hmm. at the current moment. Uh, Sometimes you get the good Steelers and sometimes you get the bad Steelers. Uh, Last year, I know they've rung off about eight wins in a row last season, and they looked unstoppable until that crazy New England game. Uh, but you n- you never know what you're going to get with them. They they usually go on a run like this every year midseason. Um, I'm just waiting to see where they go down with the stretch. As of right now, I would stick with Kansas City and New England ahead of Pittsburgh currently. And, of course, I always want to throw my Chargers in there, my preseason Super Bowl pick. They're always looked over just because of how good the Chiefs were. You know, you fall to the Chiefs and the Rams within the first three weeks of the season. I think that might have been a blessing in disguise for the Chargers because now everybody's just overlooking them. You've, you've got the two toughest teams on your schedule out of the way immediately. And that's really your measuring stick. You can look back in those first three weeks of the season. Okay, we played the Rams. We played the Chiefs. We've played the best already, and really we've got nowhere to go but up from here. They've got meeting. They've got the meeting with the Chiefs left this year. But really, that's about it for the Chargers. If they beat the Chiefs in that second matchup, they very well could end up coming out of the AFC West as the champs, and really nobody would have known about it all season long. Yeah, with Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers, and Melvin Gordon and players like that, that offense is super loaded. They are honestly one of the most talented uh, teams in the NFL. They mm-hmm. just have to get it going. Uh, currently, they're on a six-game winning streak, and they look like no one's going to stop them, but the Kansas City Chiefs over the last four or five years have absolutely had their numbers. Yes. I can't. I don't I don't know how many in a row, but I think it's up to nine. It's almost a lot. 10, <laughs> almost it's 10 a lot. in a row that the Chiefs 
Can- that the Kansas City Chiefs have even beaten a more talented Chargers team in the past. So it's like that's the hump that they have to get over if they really want to go far in the AFC playoffs. I mean, that's why I was nervous about this Chargers team. There's always that hump, whether it be in the division. They seem to they'll they'll dominate two or three teams, but then the Chiefs are there and the Chiefs will just beat them. And then maybe in the playoffs they'll upset a team and then they always lose. That's basically this Chargers team is known for being a really good wild card and then somehow managing to lose the next week. That's how they do it. But a team that I picked to go to the Super Bowl, my NFC pick, I had no worries about, and now I'm starting to have a little bit of concern, are the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, they're still sitting there with only one loss, looking like one of the most dominant teams in football. But that defense does have some holes in it. The offense now going to be without Cooper Cup for the rest of the season. I think they may still be the favorites in the NFC. Of course, the Saints did beat them. So how do you feel about the Rams moving forward a lot? I know a lot of people, your guy Colin Cowherd, he moved them all the way down to fifth in his power rankings. Where do you stand on the Rams? Uh, Currently, I think that the Saints are a more well-rounded team than Mm -hmm. the Rams. Um, Simply right now, the the Saints have won eight games straight. Their offense is one of the most balanced offenses I've ever seen. Between the running game with Ingram and Kamara um, is absolutely one of the best dynamic duos I've ever seen at the running back position. And they're literally 50-50 on running pass plays for that offense. So it's like they can kill you both ways. And if that defense is stepping up and playing how they're playing and they get home field advantage in the Superdome, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, but as of right now, the Rams, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, currently, that they're they're uh, first in offense, and they're at about 19th in, in defense. So currently, like they're still okay. Uh, they're still going to be a threat in the playoffs. I really don't see a way that it's not Saints and Rams in the NFC Championship game. I really don't see anybody being there to compete with them. Maybe if the Packers get hot, you've got Aaron Rodgers. Maybe if the Vikings get going... But really, I think they're just a step above everybody else in the NFC. And so far this season, the Chiefs have seemed to be a step above everybody else in the AFC. And we've got that big matchup coming up Monday night. The Rams and the Chiefs. So which team going into that matchup, LA or Kansas City, do you think has more to prove in that game? And which team do you think has more that they could take away with a win in that game? Um, I definitely think the Rams... um have more to take away mm-hmm. from that game. I'm actually picking them to win this game. Mm. Uh, currently, well, it's in LA now. It is, yes, it is in LA. Uh, breaking news, but um, I don't know. I think I think Mahomes uh, is is on a really hot streak, and mm-hmm. I think that going up against a, a really tough team in in LA, I think is really gonna is gonna stunt uh, stunt his production this week, um, especially with it being in LA. It's about time for them to for them to take a loss, and after all, like the the bad defensive performances that the Rams have put up the past couple weeks. It's been pretty disappointing considering the front seven and the secondary that they that they have. You would expect them to be at least a top 10 defense. Right. Um, so I think that they're going to kind of pull it together. Uh, they ha- they currently construct they have a better defensive rating and a better offensive rating than the Chiefs and a tougher schedule this season. So I think that that factor that the Chiefs have kind of been sliding through weaker teams, I think that uh, the Rams are going to show them you know, what, a, what a good team is made of, kind of like New England did. And that's, that's what I've been worried about with my Chargers, too. I keep coming back to them. They've had a really easy stretch over that six-game winning streak. I've been impressed by it, and it is a winning streak in the NFL, but similar to the Texans, who we've seen reel off a bunch of wins in a row, Really easy schedule there to help him out, but you heard it from Junie first. The Rams are going to win that big game, correct? You're correct. taking the right. Is it going to? What? How do you? We saw the biggest over under in NFL history in this game. Do you think it goes over that? Do you think we get over 70 points in this game, or do you think it's going to be maybe more low scoring? 
a closer game than people think. You know, um, if one thing has taught me about this NFL season is I'm taking the over. <laughs> yeah, always. It is, it is all about offense <laughs> this season. The defense, like, some of these records that defenses have set are in the early 2000s will never be broken oh, I mean, They're not going to be touched. These, these receiving rules, these quarterback rules are going to keep offensive flowing. It's going to keep uh, star offensive players healthy, and these scores are just going to keep going up and up. I'm taking the over on this game. It's going to be an absolute shootout. Both of these defenses are uh, nowhere near the top of the rankings in the NFL, and I just think that these two high-powered offenses are just going to clash at it. It's going to be a great offensive, productive game. Junie giving you all the insider info. Take the Rams and take the over on, the, on, on that matchup. Junie, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you here on the first time, and we're definitely going to have you back for sure. So thank you for joining us here on the Nickel and Dime podcast. Absolutely. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. Harrison, typically when we do what not to watch for, I will give you the honors of going first. But this one, I got to get out of the way quickly. I got to make sure you're not able to steal it. I have no idea what yours is, but if it's the same as mine, I got to claim it. I I am listening to yours first. I'm intrigued. What is it? I got to claim it? it. Mine has to deal with the Titans game this Sunday. They had the big win against the Patriots. I was there to see it sporting my Tom Brady jersey. I'm sure I'm going to get a little bit of flack for that one. (laughs) But let me tell you something. This is a Titans team that is known for doing something great, and then they will do something equally as terrible. They go to Indianapolis this Sunday. Titans fans, don't be watching for that team to keep the role going. You will be disappointed. This is a Titans team that, well, they lift you up, but then they let you down oh so harshly. And that's what I think is going to happen this Sunday. Colts win, and Harrison, I think the Colts win big. Ah, okay, okay. Maybe we'll... Maybe we'll we'll see that. I don't know. I mean, the Titans do have to you do have a thing of sticking to their norms ever, ever yeah. since 2000. I mean, they go really good, and then they start off, and then they just go. It just kind of goes down from that. I thought you were gonna say what I was gonna say. I, What's I thought yours? You, yeah, uh, UK and MTSU. Oh, <laughs> after that very disappointing loss of UK last week, I don't really see them beating. MTSU, I kind of, I think maybe MTSU kind of has a chance. That's hot. Here. Yeah, That's yeah, hot. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Maybe just no. What not to watch for is a uh, UK fans like being disappointed again. If if MTSU wins, I don't really know who's gonna win. Or now uh, you gotta commit. Yeah, okay. commit to it. Okay, commit okay. to it. Okay, MTSU wins. But <laughs> that's yeah. what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I, I had to, I had to like find something. I couldn't decide Woo. what. So I'm like, yeah, that's what not to watch for. That. Probably going to get some hate for that. but <laughs> Brady jersey yeah. over here. UK losing to MTSU oh, over man. there. Yeah. Two of the hottest takes you're going to get. Has a little spicier than mine. Kind of hurts my feelings. I thought mine was pretty hot. Then Harrison comes in with the atomic bomb. We're both on fire with these what not to watch wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I feel like flames I tell you what, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm like one for seven on my picks. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hot in terms of my takes, but um, I'm pretty cold in terms of my success. But most, recent, most recently, when I went out on a limb and said, hey, LSU, you're done, and then I said, Georgia is going to beat Kentucky, I was right. So, you know, I guess maybe we've got success picking against Kentucky, so you might have that going for you, Mr. Florida fan. Keep that in mind, a little bias. I'll keep it in mind. I'll keep it in mind. A little bias coming in that. there. But this has been the 11th episode of the Nickel and Dime podcast on Anchor. 
Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, whatever you can do, share it, rate it, whatever you got to do. Let us know that you're listening. Give us a little bit of love because, you know, we need it sometimes. And Harrison, you know how we end every single episode. It's the exact same quote from the exact same guy. So as Michael Scott would say, we'll catch you on the flip. Take a shot, make a friend, just enjoy the moment. I'm Luke Skywalking on these haters. Splish. Celebrate every day like a bird.